0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards that, like, some
1: greater purpose.
2: Every cats with bloated ego, We
1: are the only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie
3: Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann and I ride with Extended Clip.
4: Welcome to Extended Clip episode eighty-four. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum, and
0: I'm a sex addict. I'm JT White.
4: Hi, Malcolm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm
0: happy to be here today, boys. Um, I'm going to tell you about all the times I had uh, sex and why it's awful. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm not a sex
4: addict. Yeah. uh, This week, uh, we're talking about a very sexual double feature that JT brought to the table. Uh, I am a sex addict, the 2005 film by Kaveh Zahadi, and I love it from behind. I, there's an exclamation point, so I gotta. <laughs> you said that a little yeah, too you... <laughs> enthusiastically for my taste. <laughs> 1981, uh, Kuyu Ohara, uh, a film in the Nikatsu Roman Porno collection. JT, why why did you bring this filth to the podcast?
1: Um. Well, I mean, I feel like there's been an underlying theme, like emerging, uh, like the last few months, really. Is that extended clip, Loves Love? <laughs> and uh, they're all like, I don't know, you learn about love languages. They're very, various different types of love. And one of my favorites is making love.
0: <laughs> God, <laughs> You're such a romantic guy, JT. I never really thought about it like
2: that before.
1: Uh, um,. But yeah, no, I wanted to, I mean, the main thing was I wanted to talk about Kaveh Zahadi um, and his work. I think he's really cool.
3: Hi, my name's Kaveh. I'm a sex addict. Hi,
1: I don't see a lot of people uh, bring up his uh, his flicks a whole lot. Um, and I was like, okay, like, what's a, a weird pairing that I could do with this? And I was browsing rare lust a lot recently Mm. um thanks to eddie's recommendation and uh i love it from behind is just a title and a premise that captivates you from the very beginning and i was like okay a sex comedy those are usually like hit and miss and they miss a lot and are really bad but this was surprisingly good and uh, i had fun with both of these very short movies
4: yeah, as much as I'd prefer to take like a more pragmatic approach to a lot of like subgenres uh, such as like the pink film. Uh, the pink film is one that like it's very easy to just scroll through Rare Lust and get the funniest title you can grab and download it because these movies are generally like 65 to 70 minutes. And so, you know, if you watch a bad movie that has a really funny title, it'll probably be worthwhile still. Like, the the style, especially within, like, uh, the Nikatsu house style, those Roman pornos, you generally based on novels and sometimes given dirtier names than the source material. Uh, and this one also is definitely given a, a dirtier name, possibly, than it even—or uh, at least more of an arbitrarily dirty name than uh, the scenario would imply— uh, and I think when we talk about that, I'm going to go a little deeper into the whole phenomenon of the pink film, the pinku, and a yeah. uh, little history lesson, a little nice. distillation, a little taxonomy uh, for those who don't know anything about it and are just like, why are you watching these Japanese pornos all the time? Because <laughs> 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 I feel like most people that follow me like, on Letterboxd and, when, will see me log those and either are aware of what they are or are aware of the film studies approach to the the pornographic arts uh but there's a lot of people who are still in the dark and just kind of think i'm a gross weirdo (laughs) which
0: isn't true which is (laughs) which has no merit to it and if i catch anyone saying that there's going to be repercussions for that just because we're watching movies called a nun in rope hell i love it from behind (laughs) things in my ass shit like that doesn't mean we're bad people and i just want to get in front of that before anyone else does
3: and
4: i just want to say that it's okay if you are a bad person
0: that's true too i think that's i think we learned about that watching this movie i am a sex addict
4: i think that's absolutely true in i am a sex addict uh cave walks us through his story that of a skittish nervous sexist and lonely man who also has what he refers to as a prostitute fetish With this disjointed, like, diuretic narrative whose shuffled order uh, feels more impulsive than productive, Zahadi's film slowly kind of chips away at his own image like a statue artist working in self-portrait until we finally see the whole man slash the whole performance that he's been building uh, with all of the detestable flaws included. Uh, I This is, you know... Not the breeziest film. Uh, it's difficult at times to watch, uh, but I had a lot of fun with "I Am a Sex Addict," and it, it, in the end, it really won me over. It had quite a quite a cumulative effect on me in just those ninety six minutes.
0: No, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot too, and I feel like all those kind of difficult parts that you mentioned, where you know Kave's being, you know, maybe not the on on the up and up. I think there's a lot of self awareness to how he's. Uh, portraying that and I think that's kind of you know increases the humor of it and of course he wouldn't present those things in like a a serious you know fashion it's not like he's reinventing the wheel there but I don't know just the way it's kind of uh the way the information is given to you it's you know there's a lot of humor to it
2: mm.
1: yeah going back to our like episode where we talked with Emmett about Chrome a lot of the discussion was about being completely disinterested in art by good people. And I mean, well, obviously there is like a heavily performative aspect to what Kave is doing, even if it does like it's very meticulously planned. But like Eddie says, feels like super impulsive. And he like goes on these really funny digressions and like will also like break down like the structure of him filmmaking and remark upon that in of itself and add a lot of detail to it. When I first um, started to get into Cave's work I'd like binged so much of it because that there's a watchability to that honesty that's like I mean obviously you are assuming there's some performative, effort in there and it's like not entirely honest but just that line is like it's so fascinating Mm. to watch someone teeter on that
4: so i am a sex addict what it's you know about in terms of its narrative uh cave is about to get married this is kind of the framing device uh is him talking directly to camera uh just before he gets married recounting these stories uh of his you know, major relationships and journey through sexuality that led him to the place that he's in now. And I said that it has this kind of disjointed narrative uh, structure to it, but he really leans into it feeling more disjointed than it actually is. He he seems very precise in all of its digressions, uh, but the way that he uses Just talking to camera as a transition, saying things like, well, we didn't have the money to go here, so we went here instead, or visualizing it with, you know, a very crude animation of just, like, pictures of people moving across a map. Uh, But in the end, it is very, like... It feels like a very tightly wound machine that purposely even feels looser than it actually is at some points, uh, which I don't even think is a bad thing. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, part of the beauty of filmmaking. You know, it's artificiality.
0: I think his his tendency to always kind of deconstruct himself and kind of like every decision he makes is like broken down mentally and he'll, you know, somehow link it to, oh, you know. Uh, my father was like this back in the day. He's he's connecting all the dots that he he possibly can, and can, kind of gives this movie like a almost like a labyrinth, like a you know quality to just you know the inner mechanisms of what how he thinks uh, he is you know the way he is.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So the the visual grammar of this film is kind of all over the place because he does have these moments where he talks to camera. Uh, there are also moments where he breaks from it. But he also has these kind of front facing medium close ups that are, you know, in like shot reverse shot. There's one shot of him with one of his girlfriends on a boat, you know, and it's really beautiful. And like, I I don't know, unassumingly beautiful the way he stages a lot of two shots in this. But this, the shot reverse, uh, like it feels like both of them are simply talking to camera and the montage is doing everything. And it's very like elemental when you break it down it's just like a very basic shot reverse shot but i don't know when he's throwing in all of these kind of self-reflexive devices in there it makes something as simple as a very centered shot reverse shot like call into question all this weird stuff about you know talking directly to audience or watching a dramatic scene
1: and sometimes when he's doing those very like simple setups for like uh reenactments I really like how he'll break like I mean because you have the structure of like there are some scenes where it's just him talking but then other times he'll start as a reenactment and then he'll break and either like just there are some moments where it's just so funny where he'll just like look to the camera (laughs) as an aside (laughs) uh, in disbelief at what's going on (laughs) and other times where he'll just like directly explain what is going through his mind at the moment.
4: I I think there's a difference uh, to be stated between like basic metatextuality and self-referentiality to like self-reflexivity. And maybe it's just arbitrary which word you're using, but there's a version where, uh, and I guess we'll call this the referential, where you simply know that you're in a movie, uh, like Looney Tunes, I guess, even Mm -hmm. though Looney Tunes is more productive than that in certain aspects. Uh, But I think the more productive end of it is like, you know, Godard and Straub and V.A. and stuff like that. And even stuff like this or like Nathan for you uh, in like the realm of comedy where it's not just aware that it is a movie or in the case of Nathan for you, a TV show, but it is using that to like make the audience question Uh, what they're used to seeing in forms like that you know like all these relationships are kind of familiar in movies we see a lot of like indie movies with these types of relationships that this guy has uh but this is just like relentless (laughs) like it's forcing you to reckon with how awful it is there's no way you can't (laughs) walk away with that you know and if that's you know his version of you know uh the brechtian you know mode of theater then that's how a weird sex pervert does it uh and that's fine with me because that's like that's his mode that's a weird sex pervert working in meta comedy
0: yeah yeah i mean and it's i mean just what comes as a result of it is just extremely hilarious and it is like you know when people talk about like documentaries it's the genre more than anything people talk about like ethics or whatever people have i mean even i play this game you know i i kind of like like true crime documentaries stuff like that to where it's like this is really leaning in to it being an unethical documentary kind of kind of like a. Crumb not so much so since it's you know we you have Zwigoff kind of the outsiders the director this is Kave, you know turning the camera on himself and just really reveling in his uh, negative qualities as a person
1: yeah I mean so <laughs> much of what I love about Kaveh's work is that like there is uh, him bringing attention to how like extremely unethical it is and just sort of like I don't know him just that's his mode as an artist like um. He has one uh, like program that was like for like a Brooklyn like TV like series thing. That's it's all on YouTube. It's called the show about the show, and each episode is about the making of the previous episode. And of course, it gets like into like his marriage and like his life with his kids. And there are just so many points where it's just like he is, (laughs) he's like definitely like emotionally like sort of manipulating the people around him in this and like this aspect of them always being filmed in one uh film I'll probably talk about in the middle segment The Sheik and I that he made after this um he is like he goes into the bathroom when his wife is peeing to record (laughs) a scene talking to her and it's just like he is so like shameless in that, that I, it's just, it's so interesting to interact with. I think like there in like reading letterbox reviews and like people who don't like Cave, there's like a very easy sense to write him off because he can be unlikable <laughs> at times. But I, I don't know if you just like disregard it as like, Oh, this person does bad things. Like you're missing out on so much nuance in this work mm. and like so many interesting things to examine. And I think it's like, so much of what Kaveh is about is just like being nakedly honest um, in his personal relations and it's just refreshing to see someone who is willing to put out such an unlikable portrait of themselves numerous times over
4: yeah and also he talks very early on which I think gives the film a good grounding about his influence uh, of performance art and he starts seeing life as a performance from that point on Uh, and it's funny because like you think about performance art what's probably like the most famous performance artist like marina Abramovich, right yoko Ono, yeah like yoko Ono, yeah, marina yeah. Abramovich. i wanted to use marina Abramovich as uh uh an example even though it's definitely not uh like fully sound point that i'm gonna make go for it uh but her whole thing is or her most famous act uh, was not an act. It was, you know, allowing people to do whatever they would want to her. Uh, Kavizahadi basically is the inverse. (laughs) (laughs) He is emotionally terrorizing anyone who dares to even consider getting involved with him uh, and scars them with like any trauma he possibly can probably. (laughs) Uh, But, Art for la art. Art for art's <laughs> sake, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, there is no real way to get out of it unscathed if you're doing an ethical reading or a moral reading or whatever. But if you're applying your own morals and ethics to analyzing the art, then it becomes productive. It's like you're not... It, Kaveh Zahadi's work among other people's work in that vein even like Larry David like that it's not like obviously it's not instructional but it's also (laughs) like part of what makes it so difficult is just reckoning with what they're doing like being wrong and us like having in our head what right is supposed to be. And because these are such watchable artists, whether or not, I'm not going to even use the word likable because they're (laughs) such watchable artists. We have to reconsider what the right thing is because we're watching the person do the wrong thing in terms of Larry David for fucking 12 years at this point for curb, you know, Uh, like, and fucking 20 years. If you count Seinfeld, I guess Uh, there's something inherently interesting uh, and just like fucking watchable about watching people mess up. Yeah, and you know it's I think the fun
0: distinction between Larry David and Kaveh, I mean, there's amongst a lot of things, but like Larry, a lot of, I think I think a lot of people see Larry David, and he's like uh, he's like oh he's saying what we want to say. Like when someone <laughs> cuts someone off in line, you know, it's like uh, he he'll speak up. Whereas Kaveh is like the part of ourselves where we, we want to ignore. You know, maybe yeah. some of our, <laughs> our darker desires that he's playing out. I you know, I I will take his word for it that he did it. You know, I'll just I'll just assume that he's not uh, uh making that stuff up about himself yeah. and uh, exposing it to the world and <laughs> I mean it's it's uh it's compelling. It's, yeah. it's some compelling stuff. I don't know what, you know, you want me to say. These movies are made
1: already. I can't I can't exactly. Undo it. Exactly.
4: It's it's not like <laughs>
1: <laughs> And I mean also like in terms of
4: stop buying meat at the market. <laughs> uh,
1: uh,
2: uh, uh.
3: <laughs> now i should probably explain that i'd always considered myself a feminist and had even marched in an anti-pornography rally once which is why when i suddenly found myself saying the words to missus i half expected the prostitute to run screaming
1: in terms of like admirable qualities about like cave and i guess like Uh, the film itself is that I appreciate how consistently low budget he is throughout his career. I think lumping him into like Brooklyn filmmakers, like oftentimes leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's like so much of his work is him like talking about being poor or not (laughs) being able to afford to do like particular things in the movie. And like, you can tell with like how like the camera on which like, um, I'm a sex addict was shot on that he's just someone who like has this obsessive compulsion to make this type of art and he's doing it by any means necessary and it's like while he's like doing stuff and producing things that like are like I don't know a naked honesty that is like not pleasant mm. um th- the fact that he has this drive to put it out there by any means necessary is really admirable to me
0: and then this is kind of the second layer to his work where it's like of course the acts he's depicting that he said that he's done in real life are kind of you know not great but then you kind of think of the process of filmmaking itself and like what he's you know putting his actresses through and uh, you know how many simulated blowjobs are (laughs) in this movie there's at least 20 i yeah. would say well <laughs> and, no exactly because
4: in terms of like the reference points uh and in terms of us as like a you know a high and low podcast it's like yeah there is the comedy of errors on one side and there's also the very strange like self-reflexive uh th- the horrors of filmmaking side of it uh which is like I don't know, I wanted to say, it's not like Karastami. Uh It's not really like any acclaimed art house filmmaker who does self-reflexivity like that because most of those people are usually ashamed to admit how exploitative they are of the people involved in their projects, you know? Uh, like someone like Godard, you know, he, he doesn't shy away from the fact that he treats actresses like shit. Uh, like if <laughs> someone calls him out on it, he's like whatever, I guess that doesn't mean that his films are open about the exploitation of filmmaking uh, of his own filmmaking, despite them often being about the exploitation of Hollywood filmmaking. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't want to give Kaveh too much credit. I mean,
1: (laughs) there are, there is a power in including like scenes where it's like, um, (laughs) the actress is like, there's that one beat where he's like the, the actress is like refusing to do nudity or like the blowjob where yeah. she's like I didn't sign up for this and it's just like a more self serving person would there's no need to put that in there like,
4: yeah oh yeah it's it's amazing that he includes that clip of her saying that she's uncomfortable with the scene and then him just. Turning it into a really great comedy bit of just keeping the camera on him while we're supposed to imagine a blowjob.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's another fun part of this movie. Imagine this guy getting his his knob polished. It's something you do have to imagine uh, a
1: lot. The,
4: the orgasm
1: noises he does, <laughs> it's just so this funny. screaming. <laughs>
4: this is a man who cannot even touch his own dick without screaming.
3: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was still fantasizing that she was a prostitute, but the fact that she knew and accepted this part of me made it different than before. It made it something we were sharing, something that we were doing together. And I felt that I was seeing Caroline for the first time. And one of my favorite scenes, uh, and I, I hate to
4: say that this is how I watched the film. Not this is how I watched the film, but like that... I'm about to just describe a terrible thing and say this is my favorite scene, <laughs> but it calls to attention like what kind of film this is, uh, since we are kind of talking around it for anyone who do- hasn't seen the film. One of my favorite scenes is when he follows a girl off the train into a church and then jacks off in the confessional booth. I just think it's really funny. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that is really funny. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's really funny. I, I think <laughs> it's just like really shameful and hilarious. And the way he shoots it is like Brassanian at times. Like not just that. There's a lot of two shots. Like there's one where one of his girlfriends is uh, crying in bed while he's writing copious notes uh, at his desk. Uh, and that one that one didn't particularly call to mind Bersan but a lot of the framing of body parts did Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course the very disaffected performance style that comes from the combination of using no budget actors and being a perfectionist like Zahadi and like forcing these people to do these absurd line readings you know Uh, and it comes across so disaffected
0: no yeah and I think the like, this, there's kind of a, I don't want to call it simp- simplistic, because there's kind of like a meticulousness to the style, but I guess minimal, like, visual style that the 4-3 really complements, and I think mm-hmm. the 4-3 also complements kind of a lot of his turns to camera, or a lot of his direct speaking to camera, you know, kind of a more confessional feel to it, you know, yeah. this 4-3 um, aspect ratio, and as for the, you know, confessional booth he jacked off in, I, you know... I was like, I bet that's not the first time that booth has seen some oh, okay. some nut.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just
4: a side note. I've only my only exposure to the Catholic Church is cinema, but I'm pretty sure that every confessional booth's got nutted in like at least twice over weekly, right? Yeah, I mean <laughs>
0: that's that's kind of the dual purpose. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you have to confess in this booth yeah. thing. It's like, can we just get a couple chairs? <laughs>
4: <laughs> can I get a gamer chair here? <laughs> <laughs> but enough about the catholic church uh there's also a great scene where he uh makes the girlfriend that he meets at ucla uh which is so funny because yeah he gets into film school at ucla and gets a similar letter that i got <laughs> <laughs> and then forces a girl to watch Viva V like i've done <laughs> <laughs> uh and then yeah th- that leads into an argument that starts out of Godard's treatment of women and
1: uh,
2: does... (laughs)
1: Does Godard have a prostitute fetish? Do you know that? Is this? I uh, is don't that know unfounded? About that. that no, that's no.
4: the thing. I don't know anything about that. that. That's something I've never heard before. This movie. I think that was kind of just shoehorned but I could yeah. be totally wrong. Godard yeah. scholars, correct me if you will. But he also Godard fucks like Godard always. Godard is a Godard's a serial monogamist.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm getting in an argument with a woman almost weekly that Godard's not misogynist for about the past about fifty weeks now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> About uh let's see. I... how many years have I liked movies now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something I do weekly just to keep sharp.
4: Alright, let's let's <laughs> keep going on this movie. Uh we then get a the darkest, in my opinion, probably, uh section of this film where he gets addicted to groping receptionists at massage parlors, uh, which is also there's a very funny lead up to this where he sees it on the news, and it then the reverse shot is him looking at his TV in amazement, and then the reverse shot from there is him pulling up to that same exact spot where the camera was parked for the news report uh, to go get a hand job at that massage parlor they were <laughs> reporting on on the news. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like very simple comedy, and he has. A very very precise formal style that as I said earlier leans into feeling looser than it actually is so you can pull off these very precise comedy bits like it's nothing kind of making it look easy as it were
3: I was walking down the hallway at film school when I saw her for the first time hi. it was unusual for a woman I'd never met to say hi to me because she did I assume she wanted to have sex.
0: And, you know, kind of with like, you know, all the formal qualities that, you know, kind of keep this movie, you know, tightly wound to an extent. The kind of the severe uh, actions he takes is just like that makes him just even funnier when it mm-hmm. comes in. Because, you know, this movie kind of has a certain rhythm to it. And those are kind of the big, uh, you know, bombs of the you know movie, you know, yeah. so to speak. Or, you know, kind of like uh, similar to where... Uh, I feel like the prostitute, you know, asks him to, you know, rape, rape her, and that's that's kind of I think led up to with a certain, you know, yeah, formal qualities for that for yeah. that drop.
4: Also, yeah, she says that in probably the most disaffected line delivery of the whole movie, to the point where he cave remarks upon it as a character to his girlfriend, like he tells her that like he describes the way that people talk in his movie (laughs) Mm. it's such a strange self-reflexive moment because it's like what does that mean even that the way that characters often talk in his movie resembles this very like strange you know uh rape scenario that he had with a prostitute uh, just yeah, you don't even want to think about it. Yeah. like it's easy. It's easy to unbox that. You kind of don't want to. Yeah, I'll le- I'll leave that to and the experts.
1: I think this is a really good uh, introduction to Cave because like while all of his work that I've seen isn't like as explicitly like sexually charged there are like elements of it like throughout like you can tell the man like fucks and like it's gonna be in a lot of other things that he does but there's like i don't know some classic kava like the presentation diary style is like pretty consistent throughout the man loves to smoke weed that's a great like point like uh, a lovely thread throughout all of his movies um Kave, come to LA. I'll smoke you out. I know that's the that's the main goal of this is Kave, come on. Like we'll uh we'll uh, roll a blunt together. Have a great time.
4: And I got like if you're still broke, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> we got, we'll smoke you out. Loud. <laughs> Dispensary pack. <Yeah. laughs> we got that podcast pack.
1: <laughs> um, but it's just such an interesting and fascinating movie for exploring a lot of really dark subject matter while also being really funny and like i don't know i think it's i mean we haven't really touched upon this aspect as much but it is like addiction that he's struggling with and like he is revealing like the deep dark depths of being in the pits of like sex addiction and how like awful and nasty that is and there's one moment where he does um like, it's interesting because it's, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It, it's a stupid game to play in any documentary where you're trying to parse out, like, how real or how fake is this. But before he plays the tape of him, supposedly that he recorded at his first, uh like, sex addiction um meeting, he mentions earlier about how hard it is to cry on film. And when he's playing the tape, it's him, like, legitimately crying. But it's, like, that cue of saying, like, that is like trying to cue you in that it's not faked which makes me like I don't know and you also
4: get like a nice close-up on the tape recorder and everything like it's stylized very differently exactly
1: and it's like would you bring a tape recorder to that I mean Kaveh is the type of person that would exactly (laughs) do that but like it's just so weird but also it's I don't know it's sad and beautiful and like confessional and I don't know, no one else is making the type of work that Kaveh is doing. He's a very distinct voice um, that's also, like I don't know, in this type of milieu of cinema, it's hard to find something that's like as watchable as he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love his work, and I'm excited to uh, talk about him again, maybe. Bullets? Four bullets. Yeah, I'm gonna give this one four bullets
0: too. I mean, I think, yeah, Kaveh taps into something that is more enjoyable than a lot of his, you know, I don't know, independent Brooklyn filmmaker counterparts. I'm not even going to pretend like I've seen most of these movies. I but don't just- even
4: know who yeah, like, yeah, that technically yeah. means. Like, yeah. Dustin Guy Dustin?
0: Yeah, Alex Ross Perry comes to mind. I don't know.
4: Diamond Dallas Dusty <laughs> <Yeah>. Guy <Deva laughs> Dustin? Uh, 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 uh.
0: That guy, other people. Like I said, I haven't watched any of these movies. <laughs>
4: I saw a person to person and it fucking sucked but think like, that's why I all clown on Dustin Diamond Dustin but that's it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, just that he leans into this unlikability and he's willing to portray it and I like I like kind of like the nice guy uh awfulness that he's tapping into cuz he's a person who makes a point to be radically honest, like being honest to the point where it hurts people and most of his honesty is just You know, uh, telling his girlfriend which girls he wants to fuck on the streets to the point (laughs) to the point to where they were okay with it. Uh, You know, they changed their minds after he keeps going day after day, and it is like I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of uh, portrayal of like people who are bad in relationships. It's usually some sort of like infidelity or dishonesty, and like cave proves to be a different type of bad person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's you know, it's just refreshing to see that on screen. And, <laughs> you know, it's just I guess I don't know. I basic tenet of humor, at least to what I find funny, is just like, you know, saying or doing the wrong thing rather than the right one. Absolutely. And he he does the wrong things and it's funny. <laughs> so what can I say?
4: Yeah, his his deadpan is like so still but so neurotic. Despite the fact that there's nothing moving in his face, you can just tell he's processing a hundred thoughts a minute. It's so strange. Uh, The visual style, I think I didn't even give enough service to. It's like very understated, but there's these beautifully spacious two shots throughout that you just don't see in movies anymore honestly like four three is or uh, 1.37 to one rather uh, or whatever you want to call it uh the tall ratio is generally used in kind of wanky ways uh for like art house experimentation and not because it's standard deaf video like it is for this movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, or standard def digital I guess rather uh but anyway uh, yeah, I, I think it's like a really like low-key, beautiful movie. And I think it ending with that uh, recovery and the couple of meetings and uh, the wedding is uh, generally like, I don't know. it, it On paper, it kind of rubs me the wrong way for how bitter this film is, but it still worked. It still worked for me. Four bullets. I think it's a great film. Stop! We'll be right back Niggas on Extended Clip. Anyone need to go potty? Sex style! Niggas want it free, they dogs drink my piss. You want freestyle, that's right, the style is free. Niggas suck my dick and they girls drink my pee. I'm on some mess in them shit you can't get with Pull your panties down on stage and watch you sweat quick Suckers back to the poor, they stylish, transsexual Lesbians dancing with the funky heterosexual You on the mic and when you rhyme, I start the jerk off Let my dog make you German Shepherd wanna bust off I tell you, Lasix, bottom seeds, having anal sex Step around like the Tampax and step up next I ain't to New York, no problem with my dick out California porno, star my ass, you can lick out Saying what with sperm dripping down and we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Everyone's favorite segment. Malcolm, are you- oh, I didn't ask if you were ready. So I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready to go. You know <laughs> me. I shoot from the hip. All right. Well, what did you uh, what did you watch this week?
0: Well, you know, I was uh, you know for some reason or, no- or another. I don't even really know why. I was just looking for a short movie, you know, something around sixty to seventy minutes. And I was was going around Tubi, and I found this little. I found this title that was so enticing that I couldn't pass it up. It's this sci-fi looking movie called The Earth Dies Screaming, uh, directed by Terrence Fisher, who, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with. This is my first movie that I saw by him, but he's like a pretty prominent horror director in like the 60s, 50s. And um, this is a very like low budget, minimal sci-fi film about just some aliens who um, deploy a gas um, so people who are like I don't know like in an incubator or like on a plane survive so there's like seven people left on earth and we just basically see the you know aliens pick them off and the I love the aliens in this because they're not like uh, you know typical like big black guy you know large green head they're in like these spacesuits so they just kind of look like robots and they don't say anything and they just kind of kill you by touching it so you kind of just see like a lot of shots of like people in metal suits just walking in the distance and i don't know it's just very minimal but like very well shot Not not too flashy but just has a good visual style to it and you know it's a good way to pass the time and you know what it the the kind of the intro the way it opens as a really striking open where you see a bunch of people dying it opens with like a montage of people crashing their cars into walls and people just toppling over and it kind of, you know, it lives up to the title a little bit. It gives you a little bit of that severity you're looking for when it comes to the title, even though it is kind of a relatively, you know, tame uh, sci-fi movie. But I, I enjoyed it. Nice.
1: JT, what about you? Um, well, I continued to go cave mode in preparation for this week. Um I did a few of his work, a few short stuff, and one feature. One short of particular note was I was in a film starring Laura Dern, which is Cave describing his experience um, during the making of Alexander Payne's Citizen Ruth. He's in it for, like, two lines of dialogue, but, like, it's an 11-minute film about him neurotically preparing for it, and, like, it's so funny. You can tell, like, he even in, like the the feature I'll also be talking about is like classic cave pissing people off but like he even talks about a moment on set of citizen Ruth where he's trying to offer like direction to Alexander Payne. He's just like, it's like, fuck off. Like, no, like he's like, well, the other actors are suggesting things. It's like, well, they've been here for like days. (laughs) Like uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it rules. It's so funny. Um, and just a lot of him rehearsing his one line of dialogue in a mirror to himself. It's worth checking out. Um, I think it's on his like Vimeo. But then the feature uh, that I watched uh, was The Sheik and I um, from 2012. Cave is commissioned uh, by the Middle East Biennial um, to make a movie on the theme of art as a subversive act. Which is such a fucking stupid (laughs) idea uh, to reach out to Kaveh to do. (laughs) Um, And, like, instantly he asks um, the woman who's from this uh, Middle East Art Foundation: He's like, Well, what are. Uh, things I can't do, and she like he's like, oh, you, you have pretty freely way you can do pretty much whatever. He's like, but no, what are the things I can't do? And he's like, well, making fun of the Shahja, like painting like Islam in like a negative light, and so he really latches on to <laughs> making not painting Islam in a negative light. I think he does a good job of like handling like American imperialist perspectives. With like the Muslim world, like he is both of his parents are Iranian, but he has like not really a strong connection to that culture from like what he describes in the movie, because he like most he like grew up in America and was pretty distant from that. Um. But in the movie, a lot of the reenactments that he includes are sort of like Western fantasies of like Muslim terrorists. And he's very actively aware of that stuff as like bad and like inaccurate. But in trying to shoot like reenactments of that, he goes uh, to the Middle East. One like the main sort of quest is him like trying to get the Shaja in his uh, film, um, which never happens. Um, but a lot of the reenactment stuff that occurs in the film, you also see him recruiting actors who are just, like, people in the street. And then a lot of problems arise from, like, where he just wants to shoot and, like, there is, like, a Pakistani guy um, on the, like, who's one of his actors and it's like, oh, well, we can't film there because that's, like, Uh, the Shahjah's daughter's house and it's like, well, why can't we do that because of racism? One of the other guys (laughs) lets out and there's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. And Kavi gets into a lot of like really interesting like questions like I like while he does. He is attacking it from like uh, an anti American imperialist mode like he also is unconsciously by like pushing these buttons like revealing like showing his ass a little bit but i think in a really productive like honest way where he's like pushing buttons and like just trying to see what the general flow is and i think he makes something that's like n- like definitely not particularly offensive to like muslim people um but is a really interesting examination from a western perspective in there and it's uh i don't know another cave flick that i would highly recommend
4: mm-hmm.
1: what about you eddie
4: you know, I'm so glad that Malcolm also shouted out the only streaming service that we'll ever shout out on this show, Tubi, because I also uh, watched a little Tubi this week. Diddle, I have a little double feature for you. I believe one of these is leaving soon. God, I can't believe I just said, <laughs> I can't yes. believe I just fucking said that a movie is leaving a streaming service soon. So act fast. Yeah. I mean, Tubi's for the people. Yeah, but I hate I hate myself right now. We're trying to get. I still be- love you.
0: <laughs> We're trying to become the official podcast of Tubi. So. I'd
4: be fine with that. Yeah, reach out. Uh, I watched Burnt and Draft Day uh, Bradley Cooper versus Kevin Costner. Uh, Tubi presents uh, a mid 2010s star vehicle double feature that upholds their institutions rather than challenging them. <laughs> Films that just, like, have these inherently collaborative fields that are shown exclusively through these one great man narratives. Also, both very irresponsibly shot in digital cinemascope that whether or not they actually used, like, anamorphic lenses, like, you can't tell. It looks like it's just, like, a randomly kind of cropped extra wide image that kind of just looks like shit most of the time uh, there's the single shots that kind of dominate all of the dialogue scenes and the kind of clusters of every getting as many people in the wide shots as you can whether in the office or the kitchen uh, there's no actual like mise-en-scene to speak of though it feels like that classic 2010s feeling of wide screen coverage that you just kind of get lost in <laughs> Both of these films have characters that I hasten to use the word girl boss uh, to describe. <laughs> uh, but their their professional competence is there to both surprise the men on screen and the ones who are viewing it. But all of their like arc feeds into very like status quo kind of narratives like Jennifer Garner in Draft Day, you know, sure, she can balance a salary cap, but can she bear a child? Uh, it turns out she can, and so she is good. <laughs> so it's it's just very, like, I don't know. Both of these films are very watchable, too, which is weird. Like, they're both, like, a total slog. But I was just like, they're on, you know, very watchable. Uh, it's mainly because they both star movie stars, and they're star vehicles. And it's like, oh, a star vehicle for a movie star that I'm, you know, at least a little fond of? I'll take it, you know? These films are basically the opposite of Howard Hawks's cinema. Interesting. Which is really harsh because these are like watchable movies, but uh, yeah. They're just bad. (laughs) He's good and they're bad. Yeah. (laughs) I think the communal aspect of Uh, Hawks is completely lost the the strong woman of Hawks is completely lost, yeah. you know. I get what you mean. Uh, like both of these have the like bad versions of those. <laughs> 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 uh, and Hawks's films weren't in irresponsible cinemascope. Uh, his good films, or uh, some of his great films, were in wide. But you know, my favorite Hawks films were in very clean four (laughs) three
0: there's a video of gordon Ramsay talking about burnt that's very funny to where he's like
4: this is exactly
0: how it's like like this is so realistic it's like yeah they kind of just made like a rip off you character kind of in a way you know or just like anyone who yells in the kitchen is like kind of referencing him at to a certain point so of course he's gonna fuck with
4: that well burnt was also like one of two things where bradley cooper I think, was like a Bourdain stand-in because Kitchen mm. Confidential was adapted into a TV show that didn't even air a full season, uh, but he was in. And then Burnt is, I think, loosely based on that. But also, I think the yelling of Gordon Ramsay on TV definitely influenced that. I, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That That's what it's like. Yeah, it's totally like that for Gordon Ramsay, who is a TV host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That there was not to talk too much, Ramsey. But I
0: remember they. Oh, tried no! Bring it on. They, I mean, <laughs> they they tried to give him a like a variety show back. I don't know, like four or five years ago. It's one of the strangest fucking things I've ever seen. And it,
4: who like, have they given variety shows to him and Jay Leno in the last. <laughs> like, no, that's such a fifties ass concept.
0: And and like to be fair, he was he's trying harder than these late night TV show hosts. Like he had like this like set to where it's like. He'd walk from like place to place, like to the table. Then he'd like cook something. He'd talk to Ludacris about what he's cooking. <laughs> uh, and then, it, uh, uh, and then, and then they cut away to like a, a pre-recorded bit of like. Him in like a fat suit, like applying for a culinary school and just like fucking what? up. It's like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, no, that idea. sounds amazing. No, you yeah. have
4: to look up into this. I might even have to throw a clip. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds wonderful. You know,
0: and you're saying you know they haven't given. There's a lot of kind of failed variety shows like that that have like just lasted like four episodes. So, yeah, yeah they, they just don't stay around. People are like, well, we should have a variety show, and then it. None none of them ever last anymore.
2: Um, (laughs) Maybe
0: Gordon was the nail in the coffin. Who knows?
2: Dad,
4: I I might have to look into that. Uh, We'll we'll be right back on Extended Clip.
0: We need to start smoking fake carts. Mm -hmm. Not fake carts. Smoking CBD. (laughs) Like movie weed. Home. Yeah. Home (laughs) movie weed. That'd be
4: great. That would be so funny, dude, if one of us got a job on set and stole some movie weed. (laughs) Stole 80 ounces. Dude, we're smoking on that Hollywood pack. (laughs) I forgot when I I, I listened to the. pineapple express commentary at a very young age yeah. and i remember them talking about smoking movie weed and i was so disappointed and i was like yeah. they're lying they're lying <laughs> they just, just don't want to say it because the cops they know the, they they the smoke cops, yeah, the cops are listening to the <laughs> commentary
0: you know Cave was smoking real loud in the movie though yeah you know that. yeah, that's true that's real strong true. shit
4: hey we're not talking about that movie anymore
0: no we're, nah,
4: we're not we're gonna be talking about i love it from behind did I properly do the exclamation point that time? Yeah, you always
1: yeah. sound like it's more of a question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than it is. Like yeah. a, no. I, l-
0: no. I love it from behind. Yeah. Do you want us to answer that for you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well,
4: I'm trying to hit the punctuation after the last word. True. But I guess love is the word you hit there and it comes across as an exclamation point.
0: Yeah. That's how you speak.
4: I love it from behind. (laughs) Yeah, there's some vigor to it. But you did did question mark it at the end. You
0: still did question mark it at the end. The eind. Yeah, put a nice question mark on the eind. (laughs) Did the dog turn. I've forgotten at this point.
4: So, um, what are we doing talking about these fucking pornos on here? (laughs) No, I... the pink film, Pinku Iga, uh, it all it all started on the island of Japan. Uh, in well, there were like one real pornos in like the 50s. There earlier, uh, obviously, American porno uh, vastly predates that with the stag film, which is essentially what they had uh, up until independent producers started making some stuff. This guy Wakamatsu quits uh, the famous Nikatsu Studio to go make his little, you know, art house pornos at his own Wakamatsu studio. Um, I sound a little condescending toward him, despite him being technically, like, the most acclaimed pink director of all time. I watched his movie uh, second time, Go Go Virgin or something like that. And it was not very good, in my opinion. Uh, Also, like, definitely the highest rated uh, pinku on Letterboxd, though. Still, like, the reputation holds up. I thought it was okay. Uh, I am more into the pornographic film. <laughs> no, that, one, that one is deeply pornographic, but uh, not in a very fun way, if you know what I mean. You like having fun. I don't like having fun. No. Uh, there's nothing wrong There's with also that. some very dark stuff, obviously, uh, in a lot of these films, uh, in a lot of some of the best of these films. You know, these are not like, some. a lot of these are not very pleasurable films at all. They're no. very torturous.
0: I think, you know, it's th- you know funny about this one. I feel like this is the most kind of despite what happens in the movie it kind of maybe one of the more upbeat positive yeah. messaged pink movies i've seen
4: yeah it reminded me kind of of a movie that has much more brutal subject matter hisayasu sato's brain sex purely in tone uh it has a very light comedic tone to it which also plays to the earlier uh nikatsu roman pornos which this is a part of that series but I'll, I'll get into what that phrase even means. Uh, <laughs> what is Nikatsu? Nikatsu was one of the studios in Japan uh, from about 54 to 70. They specialized in youth dramas and action movies, gangster movies, comedies. Uh, Seijin Suzuki worked there until 1967, I believe. Shohei Imamura worked there. I guess those are the two big like auteurs that had like steady... Careers over at Nikatsu. In 1970, um, for a number of reasons, the market kind of dried up for them. And in 71, they opened the series of Nikatsu Roman porno, uh, Roman meaning novel uh, and porno meaning sex. <laughs> <laughs> and from 71 to 88, they basically just made softcore pornography. They made uh, you know, the the US had been like doing this slow buildup of like stag films and then nudie cuties and all this other softcore bullshit uh, up until the point of them making hardcore around the time that Japan started really making softcore in like the very early 70s. Uh, so the filmmaking equipment is just as good. Like Nikatsu was very strident about being like, we're still shooting on 35, we're still shooting CinemaScope when it's needed. You know, uh, a lot of the early ones are in CinemaScope. Sometimes not the most responsibly framed. A lot of times it is. Uh, a lot of those early ones look really good. Uh, a lot of people who were working as directors or ADs at Nakatsu when they weren't making pornos were directing these early films. But now we're getting to the point where that's starting to fade out. Some of the other production companies and more independent people are coming up and Nakatsu is kind of on the decline. Uh, this one, though, is quite good. One other aspect of it. <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, Toei, another studio that did a lot of pinkus in the '70s. They kind of came into it what people are co- with what people called the Toei Pinky Violence, uh, and so these are like very fucking unhinged action movies that have a lot of titties in them, <laughs> uh, and uh, a lot of them are very brutal too. We're actually going to talk about one in a few weeks. With our new friend Seamus. He's he's bringing on a great film uh, Female Prisoner, number 701 Scorpion. That's one of his Ooh. picks. Yeah. I
0: guess we're just the new smut podcast now. Just <laughs> come one, on our podcast to talk. But that yeah. one is not very pornographic, okay. I will okay. say. I've seen yeah.
4: that one. It's more, it's like the definitive Toei uh, pinky violence movie. Okay. Uh, but it is violent. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, just for a little background, you know, uh, Japan has its own subculture of X-rated movies, these pink movies. Uh and there it's a much stronger subculture than over a year or at least it was uh and you know i'm not very read up uh, or viewed up on what happens kind of after the 90s there other than a couple of particular auteurs so how'd you guys like this one
1: um yeah i really enjoyed this Did i you like... love it from behind <laughs> i was like i wasn't sure what to expect like i feel like I was interested in this, like obviously the premise of like a woman collecting a hundred penis prints before she gets married is like that log line alone will like grip even the strongest man. Uh, um, But I don't know. I'm fascinated with sex comedies, but like generally they're like dog shit awful and like, I don't know, but they're watchable. And this like I was, there are parts that are really light and funny but there are definitely moments i feel like the most like cinematic moments that i like i don't it's hard to say enjoyed necessarily but there are a lot of intense moments that took me by surprise yeah uh if not behind
4: ooh <laughs> wow
1: um no i really
0: like this movie a lot more than i don't know, i mean i was expecting to enjoy it but maybe not in the ways it presented like i think it's very like structurally sound and i kind of like the way it's narratively paved out like kind of they're all sisters right in the movie or no
4: no they no. call each other oh, in the sister. subtitles it's like that oh, it's like okay. a lot of those movies they call them each other like oh, okay well, fr- yeah. it's not incest don't yeah, worry okay good, good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well these don't three, worry <laughs> yeah they all kind of have each their own like kind of sexual thing that they do one of <laughs> them has never had sex one of them you know does the dick prints they basically you know fuck like it's a sport or something and then the the third one is a little bit more complicated she's kind of traumatized from this very uh um unpleasant sexual encounter she had and now she's kind of taking it out on you know various men at these sex bars mm. and doing these sexual transgressions and i love this character of it cuz like the men of these movies these um you know pink movies at least from what i've seen and it's only a handful but kind of the default like kind of uh, non uh main male character is like just a violent rapist who will like grab you from the street and yeah. just do anything to you. And it's kind of nice, you know, to see the role reversed and you know get to see the, you know, uh, the female get to have some of the more uh, violent transgressive yeah. uh, sexual <laughs> actions within the movie. And I think, I mean, I don't know, I feel like that's something that's on the movie's mind for sure.
4: Well, I think you make a good point about that general characterization of uh, men in pink movies because in your head you think okay these are movies that guys buy because they're pornos yeah. you know uh, but they almost all have female protagonists and they are always are very empathetic to those female protagonists no matter letting the audience in on uh you know why maybe they have these strange sexual proclivities (laughs) or do these because there's a lot where yeah there is a female character uh but they are just committing sex crimes the whole movie
0: (laughs) you have like this thing in a lot of the rape revenge movies where it's like um the revenge that they're taking is very personal and that it's like Oh no, it's somehow going to get him over this grief or whatever. And that's how it's kind of initially presented for her, but then she gets to have some of the sadistic glee that we, you know, see so uh, violently displayed in these movies as he gets she you know buys her various uh, squirming dildos that she uh, <laughs> inserts in men's asses to make them gay.
1: That's what she does. <laughs> that's so awesome. To <laughs> her
0: own words, not mine. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it like
1: that just the stabbing a dildo like a knife <laughs> into someone's ass is fucking amazing. Yeah.
4: <laughs> God damn, just stabbing those dildos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh Mimei is the main character. Uh she goes to visit her friends in Tokyo before she returns home to go get married. Uh her friends live together, uh Masumi and Rei. And yeah, as Malcolm said, they all have their own little sexual thread uh mime's of course being that she needs to collect 100 penis prints and we've said this a few times what do we mean like a fingerprint exactly that process you know you ink it up you get the stamp you lay the stamp out on a piece of paper and you got a dick print and she has this beautiful collection of them (laughs) that she very quickly Mm -hmm. lines the walls with (laughs) upon arriving (laughs)
0: Kind of reminds me of uh, Christopher Walken's place in Heaven's Gate. Not to (laughs) mismatch references, but.
4: Wow. Very, very, very strange but true reference. (laughs) Like I said, a lot of these Nikatsu movies are in CinemaScope. This one is no exception. Uh, I think it's framed really well for the most part. I've read that Ohara is not one of the better directors uh, of the stable, but I, I found this one beyond competent. I found it to be quite good looking for the most part. I, I, the soundtrack maybe is a bit more traditionally pornographic than what we're used to oh, uh, it, with the pinku stuff but i like it it brought the funk
1: the way it starts off is really fun and funky like just emerging into the set piece with the first penis print that we see uh her get like i like how the like funky track like goes in and out like as she's like talking to the man in the opening
4: There's also just a lot of strange environments here, like there's a black uh, tiled bathroom in the apartment. Like the apartment is just a very strange space and it lends itself, I mean obviously it's a set, Uh, so the set is built to lend itself to the CinemaScope framing, Uh, but then once you do get in that cramped bathroom it has like black tiles running from the floor all the way to the ceiling. And it's like so fucking weird. I don't know. Uh, And then there's also a crossfade uh, right after that of like the black toilet uh, (laughs) to like some coffee in a cup. Uh, And there's like there's not that many crazy stylistic flares in this movie. But when Ohara and I guess his editor bring them out. They're always kind of jarring because it is a good-looking movie in general. But the more showy things are always kind of they—they they took me aback throughout this movie.
0: Yeah, because it is—it is like a movie that is you know willing to be more pornographic, you know, than artful, which is you know to its benefit. Like I think it's funny that the you know the virgin character instead of trying to lose her virginity, she just jacks off a lot. You yeah. know, just uses a dildo. So we just have a character every time we cut back to her she's just like i'm going to i think i'm going to masturbate again yeah <laughs> which is a kind of a funny device but kind of like the way he set it up it kind of i don't know if this is the screenwriter's credit or and you know i'm not sure who to you know directors but the way it's threaded through the other storylines. I don't know. It just, it makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Oh, and the Virgin gets a great line at the beginning when she's like putting up all the penis prints and she's like, they smell weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's
0: also, I I do like kind of, this movie's not afraid to get nasty and kind of, you know, revels in its nastiness from time to time. I think the, absolutely the opening, uh, you know, the bathroom scene you're referring to, um, you know, she likes doing dick prints, but you know, there's some cautions that come to that, you know, Endeavor and the you know man she's with she's doing a lot of random encounters to get these d- dick prints so uh, you know the man starts uh, you know going at it you know without washing off the ink and you know later she has to piss off the you know out the ink it's very it's very disgusting and unpleasant <laughs> to think
4: about so. Think I mean, about hey, it. we have to report on this. This is our duty. To bring this, <laughs> this, this is our duty. We have to break this film to the people. <laughs> when I said the black toilet earlier, I forgot that most people that are listening to this probably haven't seen the movie and don't know why there's a black toilet.
0: Yeah, this is I mean, this I think that's also another great thing about the pink movie. And this is something um maybe I could do more with other genres, but it's great like you said just to pick a title and go with it and there's like a general level of competency. Uh, attached to it to know you you know you can at least have an interesting time.
4: And yeah. a lot of the titles being kind of mismatched like yeah. um this one sure there are something the I love it from behind kind of becomes ironic yeah. with the <laughs> forcing of dildos up men's asses. <laughs> um but for the most part it feels like an unconnected title and I know that uh Hisayasu Sato uh Sato who did not work at Nikatsu but still had some problems uh, like with kind of artistic licensing I guess like he made crazy fucking movies but a lot of them have very porny titles up to a certain point and then it seems like at a certain point in the 90s his movies have less porny titles uh, but for example like Office Lady Rape Devouring the Giant Tits that was not his title for the movie his <laughs> title was I forgot what it was but it was like a one word very vague title you know a very arthouse title frankly it's a very arthouse movie But yeah, so it's like there is going to be some kind of just like it's like a game into itself. The names of these movies (laughs) like these movies all have kind of hilarious names. If you think that kind of thing is funny. I
1: mean talking about like real gruesome imagery in this and something that you've uh, brought up before Malcolm with your entryway to cinema being like watching the most fucked up films. It's like watching something like genre work like particularly like pinkus it's like i'm i'm in it to see something i am not going to see anywhere else and like get some really like weird imagery like no matter what it was and i think that the the key things that got me this time is the one roommate who is experimenting with shoving dildos up men's asses where like I love... We we see... I mean, it's really intense and not, like, funny. Like, yeah, um, funny. when... <laughs> like, no, when yeah. she's first held yeah. down um, yeah. and she is, like... I mean, I think that the rope play is consensual that's happening because she yeah. meets, like, a nice guy from the office. Oh, he's Businessman. Like, yeah.
4: I, JT, I hate to interrupt you, but if you're going to play the is it consensual or not game with Pinku, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be so glib about it. No, no. But it's true. There's a lot of not okay stuff going on in this. Oh, I mean,
1: absolutely. But I mean, I think, like, it is implied beforehand that, like, the rope play is consensual. Mm -hmm. But, um, the, the, this nice gentleman, he's into disgusting, kinky sex, and he ties her up and, like, shade, like, cuts her with, like, a straight razor, like, rips off all her clothes with it, and, like, shaves her pussy. And that is, like, that just, like, it's razor stuff. It just, like, I don't know, trimming down there, it's already a nightmare. And seeing <laughs> it on film, it's, like, that's, it gave me, I was, like, lo- I was watching through my hands just because, yeah. and you, <laughs> I I think structurally it's nice because you see it happen again, like, reverse with, like, her doing it to yeah, him. Yeah, it's a
4: classic uh, revenge kind of thing. And the, the imagery of the blade and the, kind of comical amount of shaving cream uh carries over in a way that definitely packs a punch yeah well i
1: mean it's funny when she's doing it when he's doing it at first it's just like well no
4: they both pack kind of the same punch though it's like the same image is just like they have the opposite effect yeah
0: yeah yeah well also i mean i think you the i think the most striking image in that scene is before we even know what he's doing he's like putting this razor blade you know near her vagina and she just pisses in fear it is oh the, yeah you know probably the most disgusting thing in the movie I gotta, <laughs> I gotta give it credit like you know you look for images that affect you, and i'm
4: like jesus fucking yeah. christ <clears throat> uh by the way the actual title that hisayasu sato gave to office lady rape devouring the giant tits is slush that Sounds should cool. be the title. But I'm not gonna change it on TMDB or anything yeah. like that because come on, we're we're working with one of the great titles of the genre. But anyway, going back to this film I love it from behind. Yeah, they they attend uh or sorry, I say they uh Mime and Ray attend this casual sex bar (laughs) that their friend who's recently begun doing a cross-dressing act works at, you know, hosting. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty funny uh, because they just fuck right away. (laughs) Like, it's just Mm -hmm. a place where people just go and have sex and it feels like a video game or something.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's funny also that the the guy running the bar, you know, he claims to be a cross-dresser, but then once he hooks up with one of the girls, he's like, no, nah, I'm just,
1: he's I'm, just being gay for pussy. I'm just it's being a gay move for for as pussy. old as time. <laughs> yeah. It's,
0: and le- and that's something that I like about this movie. It's really in tune for the, what reasons people are doing, you know, sex for like, I've, you know, stated, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, woman getting the dick print, she's doing it for sport. And then kind of the man that she meets towards the end of the movie where they fuck for 55 hours. Yeah. Literally. Um, you know, he also kind of thinks of it in that, you know, similar terms to, you know, this guy acts gay to get pussy. You know, yeah. this this woman, you know, has never thought of, you know, having sex with anyone. I don't know. It's it for a movie that has sex on the mind. It, you know, it thinks about it in you know, uh, semi-intelligent ways. So it's a... eh.
4: no, 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 no. I, I will yeah. say that I agree with you. But the... The, the the angle of like queerness is approached is oh. so harsh. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not because I'm it's, yeah. I, I know we all yeah. clipped there because we all felt responsible uh-uh. for saying that, it, that yes, no, this movie's not fully woke. No, 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 no. No, I'm not
0: saying it's woke. It just it's it has good character <laughs> no, I, devices. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying.
4: No, I I think you definitely make a really good point. It takes so many different fucking approaches to different people's motivations with sex that isn't really seen it's so weirdly sprawling for a fucking 65-minute movie and like i said about the zahade thing though it also is incredibly tightly weaved like you were talking about how the narrative of these three girls uh how they all weave together and also like how that apartment used as a physical space and how it's like one is always in the apartment, uh, and you're kind of shifting the people all around. Uh whether they're at the streets, the sex club, or the apartment, one is at one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's I think really intelligently designed in that way too. Like it's a really clever script in that regard. Back to the criticism. Yeah. So I the, yeah. the cross dressing thing like, yeah, he's gay for pussy, it's it's a uh, if that was the only thing in the movie of like any kind of queerness, it'd be like, oh, huh, that's strange. Mm-hmm. But then also, the uh, roommate who is a virgin like was convinced she was a lesbian and was hooking up with the other roommate Ray. Uh, and then when the main character Meme shows up, she's just like. You're not a lesbian. You just don't know what good dick is. Like.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: I mean, oh yeah, and also maybe the concept of uh, the other roommate who you know anally rapes men into becoming gay. But not that's exa- also
4: she's saying that as a joke. Okay, all right, she's, yeah, sure, true.
1: Cool. Yeah, we don't see the men be gay afterwards.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Saying you're gay now, like that is, she's doing yeah. a bit. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it
0: kind of fits in with its general, you know what I mean, shortcomings yeah, 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 in that yeah, department. Yeah, if we're calling well, them out,
4: well, no, 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 I think a gay joke is different, yeah, than an entire approach, though, you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but the way I like the because speaking, I mean, if you're if you're gonna get mad at gay jokes and AIDS jokes and yeah. stuff like that, then please do not watch these movies, yeah,
0: yeah, no, definitely, but like, I guess. Also, the way that lesbian scene kind of intercuts with the, the, you know, kind of the brutal scene with the bondage that we're talking about before, where kind of, you know, one of the roommate's origin stories, why she wants to do this, uh, you know, violate men in such a way. Kind of like you have that very intense, you know, rape scene to, you know, cuts to this very, like, blissful lesbian scene. I don't know. Just kind of smart cuts there that just improve the quality of the movie.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, I mean, I like what we get to with the end uh, with Mime and the hundredth guy having so much swag. Yeah. yeah, like she sees him at the bar, just fucking cool, like white outfit, like great glasses, and like she calls him like impotent at first, but then he just gets hard on the spot, and just A like very
4: funny shot too of <laughs> yeah. her just gripping his pants, and then like just the bar in the background kind of.
2: <laughs>
1: It's just like a really funny approach to like, I don't know, with Malcolm bring up like her treating it as a competition and game, like framing it as like the like the two of them meet and it's just like, well, I'm going to like see how long. We cannot come. And and like that type of competition is just it's it's really funny like yeah. way to to have it play out. I know you don't like uh funny sex scenes, oh, but this one
4: was great. And it's not even like it was more delightful than laugh out yeah. loud, funny yeah. kind of like by the point where they're really laying on the antics and it's like hour 23 and they're eating while fucking and yeah. it's like austin powers style blocking <laughs> yeah. uh to do the sly censorship that's required in japanese films which also all of the censorship is kind of sly in this the, the the first sex scene where it's like very obvious censorship it's this weird like almost white lens flare looking thing yeah. uh and it's a really well composed shot that's like yeah, Cinemascope's really good for bodies laying flat across an entire frame, you know? Uh, two of them, sure. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I I don't know. I feel like this film is so slyly stylish throughout in a way that just feels like, yeah, like it's nothing, you
0: know? Also, you know, speaking to that, you know, final sex scene, I guess, like, I, I, I love the cutaway gag where she imagines him uh, lifting dick weights, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it's, so good. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just... I think that's that's that's. I think that's that kind of opened an avenue in my mind because, you know, I'm, I'm not as harsh on. <laughs> that made it sound like a, about to start doing dick ups and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. That is that is that is a very dick funny. exercise. That is a very funny like uh, like side thing in the movie where he's just like. Well, I've trained to be this way. Yeah, I've trained my penis to not
4: come. Special (laughs) training
1: where he can come without using his hands. Yeah,
4: (laughs) you far predated uh, Jack Black talking about cock push-ups with Tenacious D.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I think that's that's an avenue for funny sex scenes because like I'm not all the way with Eddie to where I hate them all, but most of them are pretty unfunny. But like. You know, what people are thinking about during these sex scenes. And maybe that could be funny. Well, mm. something for the producers listening, well, I think.
4: That's the thing. JT talked about, like, you're going to see some sort of fucked up in imagery in most of these movies. And, yeah, I think the boring ones are the ones that feel the most like porn. Yeah. And the ones that are exciting. Or there's some that are just, like, the transitions into the porn stuff is very obvious, but the rest of it is, you know, very strong the ones that still feel pornographic but are still very interesting the whole time are filled with those strange images that you just won't see in any other kind of movie. Like, I talked about... Uh, rope cosmetology months ago, which, yeah, not just features a woman being treated like a dog for 20 minutes, uh, or much longer, in fact, but a woman being fucked by a dog for like three minutes, uh, much like in this movie, <laughs> using butter as a lube, and it's just very disturbing, you know, yeah. uh, and it, it's how productive those images are i've been thinking about for months <laughs> but i've been watching it for months considering how productive those images are so i guess they're pretty productive maybe yeah
0: <laughs> or they're just fun movies yeah they're fun <laughs> interesting and i don't know i was about to give I, I, that sense wasn't worth finishing yeah going jean shallot yeah murder. i was going to say fun interesting movies high energy and they're sexy too. <laughs> <laughs> Go see it.
4: Peter Travers for Extended Clip.
0: I, dude, my brain goes Travers mode. I'd say 50% of the time. I'm just like, yeah, this movie was great. Great time. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and it's the kind of thing you want to watch with your family.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, as we said, uh, the 100th dick print that uh, Mime is gonna get is this very swagged out man uh, who, you know, of the three stories takes up the last 25 minutes or st- or so of Mime's story as they fuck for 55 hours, which maybe doesn't fully line up chronologically with the other two. but in my head it did, and I'm not yeah. gonna further investigate. and I'm gonna say that O'Hara pulled off a mastermind mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. level of you know screenwriting and intercutting these three stories. <laughs> So that's how that story wraps up. You know, they have their 55 hour fuck fest and then uh, uh, they go to the airport and she finds out that her arranged marriage upcoming is to that man's brother. (laughs) And so they just did like pre incest, kind (laughs) of.
0: I like the the note that like the movie ends on is kind of interesting because they both kind of like they both they're like wow that's kind of interesting that our sexual experiences has led us to this relationship Mm. and they both they instead of processing it as a good bad thing they're just like hmm that's kind of that's kind of interesting yeah (laughs) i I, I don't know i like that you know it's like we're the weird you know i bet you know if you try to you know have sex with a hundred random different men you know you might end up in some strange scenarios and you know that's a fun and pleasant one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
4: So Ray, as we said, uh, the second half of the movie for her story is her revenge. Uh, All the dildo stuff that we mentioned. (laughs) She not only, you know, recreates uh, her traumatic event. She then kind of just does it again (laughs) on another guy (laughs) who was acting arrogant, I guess. And uh, like a typical pinku uh, creep character. And so, yeah, what she does to them, we, we already kind of described it, we, we walked around it a little, <laughs> but she basically like roofies them or drugs them in some capacity to make them pass out before tying and gagging them and then uh, buttering up the worm-like m- moving uh vibrating dildo that has like a three foot plug which is pretty funny like it <laughs> it in pretty close uh just a very funny prop in general that dildo that moves around like such a funny worm
0: he they, yeah they get a lot out of that dildo because i like with um you know, the masturbator subplot. I like how, like, before using the dildo Oh, she on masturbates herself, to the like dildo? Like, she, mastered, she yeah. turns it on, watches it real go, and just masturbates to it. And it's just like, that looks like the most disgusting thing on her. All right. <laughs> I think
4: we need to... I, I need to get some someone who has, like, a After Effects or something like this for, you know, new age CGI and practical effects who has more swag... Ega the fly from Ega, or that dildo because that one like very long shot of the dildo wriggling yeah while Ray is masturbating is so funny and it's like a thirty second <laughs> shot of just a dildo wriggling. I need to insert Ega dancing next to it. <laughs>
0: maybe you know maybe this is my vibrator knowledge isn't as you know extensive as it should be, but I didn't know they were they had the wriggle ones. Like, I knew about the this, vibrator the yeah. Riggles, no, the wriggle kind of looks a little scary or something, <laughs> like like someone coming back from the dead or some shit like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm, my imagination's no, running dude. a little too um, wild.
4: Consumer electronics. Japan was way ahead of the curve. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Uh, so yeah as we said her plot focuses on revenge she uh, ties those guys up butters up the wriggling dildo uh, says turn gay and inserts it into the man's ass which is I gotta say funny both times she does it <laughs> <laughs> very funny both times she does yeah. it what a command Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's not how it works folks <laughs> it's such a great line <laughs>
1: It's, How does
0: to be honest? I watched this movie and I, does it like does that storyline wrap up in a definitive way? Or, really, no, yeah, okay. No, That's I assume I she just does it. The she rest just
1: keeps, her...
2: yeah, yeah, she just keeps. No, because it.
4: it ends on yeah, it ends on Mime at the airport, yeah. like after her, you know, fuck fest or whatever. And like the other two characters didn't really have like a concluding scene or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, the cycle continues for Masumi. She just you know. Uh, keeps masturbating with different fruits and vegetables. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also the hand of a mannequin, which is very comical, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, this movie got the funny sex scenes. What, any final thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I feel like, I talked earlier about like why a lot of sex comedies like suck. I feel like it's, they're, They'll like talk around like especially American like sex comedies will talk around like sexual acts and like sex stuff, but they won't really push the push the line in like an interesting or meaningful or transgressive way that like makes an impact or like leaves you with any lingering like images and this like there are definitely some things that I'll be thinking about <laughs> for a while. And like, it's really funny too. I think when you go that extra step to like push the limits, um, I you don't know more like, uh, appealing comedy and more like diverse and just int- like comedy that I'm not going to see anywhere else arises from this. And it lands on like for something that's lighthearted, it lands on a really funny joke. Um, and I enjoyed it. I'm going, I went, I went, Three bullets on Letterbox. But I'm bumping it up three and a half.
4: What about you, Malcolm?
0: I, you know, I like this a lot. I'm gonna go four bullets. Uh, I because just like kind of like this, the I'll say it again, like this narrative device of like these three uh, threads of individual sexualities and how they kind of intertwine. It's just I don't know. It's just a very interesting. Uh, way to make a you know porn movie, and then of course it has you know it, it it's extremes you know it's extreme images and it's uh, short and compact and it's you know very quick and to the point. So I, I just I enjoyed
4: it a lot. Nice. What about you though? Um, I'm also gonna go four bullets on this one. This is like one of not one of the best Pinku I've seen, but like it's up there. It, it's yeah. it's really fucking strong. Like it's a I I hasten to call it a great film. But I, I'm going to do it. Yes, it's a yeah. great film. Um, O'Hara has 29 pictures, so I feel like I should check some out. Some of them are big. Um, like I, I feel like a lot of people have logged fairy in a cage. No, not nobody I follow has logged fairy in a cage. Maybe I'll be the first. I saw it on uh, oh
1: White Rose Campus then everybody gets raped. That one uh, seems interesting.
4: Yeah, uh, only a two and a half from Felipe Furtado on that one. Uh, and he is quite generous to a lot of Pinku, but I feel like I might have somewhat different taste in Pink films than him because I think he likes the Wakamatsu stuff, which maybe Second Time Virgin was just like a weird yeah. one for me, and I should check out more.
0: Yeah, I haven't checked him out yet, but I'll, I'll give him a shot.
4: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, damn. Female Convict 101. Suck.
0: (laughs) That's a great yeah. It's (laughs) like a great... Like subtitle to a title. Yeah, it's
4: (laughs) good. suck. (laughs) He also has one called True Story of a Woman in Jail. Sex Hell. Nice. -hmm. That sounds fucked up. Sex Hell. Yeah. Welcome to Sex Hell, dude. Sorry, I'm trying to load the emails. Yeah, no. (laughs) We Uh, could
1: just... I honestly... You could list pinku titles for like 60 minutes straight yeah i feel like i got the wakamatsu
4: title wrong that i watched it was go go second time version yeah uh which you know that's a pretty nice title but 60s you know you couldn't be crazy with it yet you know but uh the other wakamatsu that a lot of people really like is called violated angels so i'm gonna have to check that one i also downloaded one called violent virgin which hey describe some of our listeners if you know what i mean (laughs) owned Damn, we actually, we have quite a few emails, I gotta say. Are you guys down to strap in? Yeah, let's- Yeah, fuck it.
1: Strap in, strap on, if I've learned anything from these pinkus. (laughs) Because,
4: honestly, we haven't done email since mid-November, maybe. Really? Wow. Yeah. I feel like, no, that's not, that can't be true. But, like, uh, almost, almost, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, We talked about Santa, right? I'm looking through the emails to see which was the last one we read. We talked about Santa?
0: Santa. Yeah, we talked about Santa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We talked about
4: Santa. Uh, So the next one is from Valerie. Uh, This is an old question. I was trying to think of holiday questions, then remembered this question from my Halloween email that didn't get answered. Oh, wow. This is an old question. (laughs) Uh, What type of horror movie would you say is your personal favorite?
0: No, I mean, yeah, I just like uh slashers, you know, I, even sometimes even the more low budget, the better, just because you get kind of, I don't know, I'm looking for severity. And those are, you know, going to be the horror movies that have them. I like, you know, good haunting, all that stuff. But uh, slashers take the cake for mm-hmm. me personally.
1: Um, I like slashers as well. I like things that have freaks and then like some real like gross like i'm gonna uh, get you a freak book (laughs) (laughs) like freaky looking bodies and things like that practical effects like it's uh it's fun it's what i'm there for
4: yeah uh slashers i think like when i'm outside of the mode of looking at directors and i'm looking at genre stuff Uh, I do like a lot of stuff that falls into a lot of particular patterns like slashers do and like pink films do, you know. Uh, And so slashers are a great subgenre for me. Sorry, I'm coming in really low on the mic. Okay. Uh, Sorry that took, I guess, since Halloween to answer your question, Valerie. (laughs) (laughs) Did I already close the email window? God, I'm fucking stupid. Um, I also like the Universal Monster movies, and obviously, I was watching mainly Italian stuff this October. And uh, I, you know, I haven't watched enough to say that's my favorite, but definitely some of my favorites, new favorites in yeah. that bunch. You know, uh, Your Vice is a locked room, and I only have the, key, and only I have the key, is definitely one of my favorite films I watched last week. As is uh, Blood and Black Lace, and Suspiria. We did a Patreon episode about it. Thank you for letting me watch *Suspirio* at your house, JT. No, we should we should watch some movies to again. To, uh. <laughs> ah, God, again. No, that's that's our <laughs> new <laughs> slang. Together again, again. Our next one's from Rob. Ra- <laughs> our next one's from Robbie. He asks, "What's your favorite performance from a rapper turned actor?" Um, well,
0: dang, I was going to say *Juice*. You know, with Tupac. But I I guess he was kind of acting before he was rapping at that Hmm, point. But we'll we'll count it. We'll count it. I also like uh, I think How High is, you know, has two very like charismatic performances from Method Man and Redman that really like make the movie like the movie would be pretty much dog shit without it. So it's like their charisma really elevates it you know, kind of, you know, maybe it's, it's kind of maybe obvious, but I think maybe slept on, I think Ice Cube does a great job acting in Friday. Like yeah. I think Ice Cube in Friday is kind of one of the more well-rounded performances that I could think of, you know, that a rapper turned actors like kind of demanded from like I, you know, Friday, of course, a very funny movie, but I also, you know, I, I think about like the first 10 minutes of Friday a lot that is almost kind of has like a slice of life quality to it, That mm. is just, I don't know, it's not exactly... That's not exactly the legacy that movie led. So when every time I rewatch it, I'm kind of taken aback by it. So yeah, Ice Cube in Friday,
4: great performance. Yeah, Ice Cube in Friday, very good. Ice Cube in Ghost of Mars, very oh, yeah. good. Uh, Ice T in R Now that is a performance. Uh, Abel Ferrara as R very good. I mean, he's long collaborated with Schoolie D for soundtracks. Uh, but if i can I, I think that's the first time he had a rapper in his movies or anything like that maybe even the only time uh i could be t- totally wrong about that <laughs> yeah uh but i i really love that performance um let's see mac and Devin go to high school
0: <laughs> Wiz 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 doesn't have the chops I, I i hate to say it yeah but that's that movie was his audition soundtrack sold well but uh Yeah, Snoop. There's a reason why Snoop's the cool guy in the movie and Wiz is the nerd.
4: You mentioned um, Juice, uh, another one uh, by Dickerson, Bones. Oh, yeah. Talked about it on the pod a few weeks ago. Snoop Dogg kills it. Uh, If you count Henry Rollins as a rapper, uh, Bad Boys (laughs) 2,
0: Heat. What's a good yeah? What's a good Bob Dylan performance? Didn't, didn't he invent? <laughs> I've heard that he's invented rap from the Guardian or some awesome. news <laughs> outlet. You know, I think my English teacher legit said maybe not invented rap or no Dylan. He was a big. I had to write a paper. This I've always kind of had an aversion to Bob Dylan. He's a great artist, but it took me a minute to get into him because my English teacher total fucking dipshit. And like we had to write an article comparing Bob, uh, Bob Dylan to the Great Gatsby. <laughs> I just
4: thought I thought it was that God. was God. Imagine that was, having to do that, <laughs> <laughs> like being forced to do that. That is, oh boy.
1: Um, I'm gonna say. I mean, I like uh, Snoop and Beach Bum. Oh yeah. Uh, Gucci Mane and Spring Breakers. Oh, those fuck. are two that jumped to my mind. How
4: could I forget about those? Yeah, Gucci Mane and Spring Breakers is a huge one, of course. Yeah, and
0: that's and that's that's a. I think uh, Kareem works well with rappers because he's, you know, he really understands, like, their self-image and lets them play into that heavily.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I feel like Kareem's, like, hangout style is evident, even in his fucking TikToks. Uh, (laughs) Like, I don't have TikTok, but once in a while I'll go through and see what he's been up to lately. And, like, the the dude knows, he, he understands, like the extension of the music video aesthetic that the chill social media aesthetic has, yeah. you know, uh, and that rappers kind of cultivate for themselves in their social media presences. Uh, and yeah, so Harmony Corinne, obviously someone to look for, uh, for that kind of stuff. Vanilla ice in that's my boy. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I can't really think of anything else. Eminem and funny people. Good scene, bad movie. <laughs> i
0: i don't like that scene to be honest <laughs> <right>.
4: <laughs> Is, I, I don't even yeah it's not that good i guess uh rizza in coffee and cigarettes yeah i was it's tempted fine. i yeah. was tempted
0: to name drop any of the wu-tang cameos and jarmusch Jim, yeah, jarmusch yeah, movies. Dead don't
4: Die, where he's driving the wu-ps <laughs> van uh, 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 uh. pretty stupid though. yeah i, I like yeah. it i like it nonetheless <laughs> All right, next email. Sorry, we have quite a few to get there. I know that we're definitely uh, leaving some key titles off there. Do you guys have any other ones though? Uh, we gave them like twelve yeah, that's movies. So that's that's plenty. Our next one comes from Jake. The subject line reads: Maybe time for some self critique. <laughs>
1: Excuse
0: me. Yeah. Present your send us a whoever you are, Jake. Send us a picture of yourself, and then we'll do some self critique. How about that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, buddy Love here. Oh, Buddy Love from the Discord. Uh, Wait, was
0: that was that it in the email, or was that just the the first part? Oh, okay. Well,
4: I that didn't mean to go that harsh. I thought that was
0: it. Well, never mind, never mind. What? I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Wait, no the the self critique email.
4: That was the headline of the email.
0: Okay, that's. I thought that was the complete message of the
4: email. Oh no, no, no. no. Okay, he so I, I wouldn't say, have responded that harshly. He goes on to say, Buddy Love here. <laughs> <laughs> Some extended clip listeners are talking, and some are saying the boys don't respect anime. Some are saying Mm -mm. the clip is too scared to cover anime. Others are even saying the extended clip podcast is biased toward white-centric animation like Cool World or The Illusionist. Care to address? Now, I have to point out the research that he must have done there. Uh, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but Cool World and The Illusionist were a pair...
1: A famous lost episode. Yeah,
4: an animated double feature that we lost. I don't know. I feel like I don't have the tools to talk about
1: it. I mean, I, I just... Haven't been able to get into much anime. Aside yeah, I'm also from the not. Classics.
4: Pushing, I'm also not pushing for any Western animation on
2: the show. Like, I like <laughs> animation in yeah. general,
1: and like would like to explore more of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like anime probably has some of the better end of animation because Western animation, by and large, like, yeah, yields a lot of dog shit. I and mean,
4: my favorite animation is The Simpsons, which is Korean. So. yeah there you go. I might, you know, I might bring
0: like an anime movie one of these times. There's been a few that are like I've been on my peripheries for like a long while, and just for some reason I haven't pulled the trigger. Yeah, so
4: Malcolm's gonna make me watch all of uh, fucking Evangelion. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
0: well that's see that's the thing. It's like I know I, anime didn't appeal to me because I'm like this is TV. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not not to be you know, Mr. Cool here, but I I'm not watching TV. You know I'm watching sports. So <laughs> no, but the anime in a movie form just seems more you know more palatable for my senses. So maybe mm. I should give that more of a go. Uh
4: Our next one is from Jintaras Vytkes. Uh She says, hi, extended clip. I wanted to reach out to you one last time regarding a new website for your show that helps you to grow your audience.
0: Okay. I'm in. Hey, I'm interested. If I
4: don't hear back from you, I'll assume that the timing isn't right and I won't contact you again. We'll keep your podcast's website up and running for the next 48 hours. If you, wow, that's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever think about a new website for your show, you can always reply to the message and I'll be more than happy to help you. Goodbye for now. <laughs> uh, no thanks. <laughs> next one is from Kevin. Uh, it says, What's beef? whoa wow. another challenge okay he goes on to say dear extended clip based on bullet ratings each week it seems like your tastes are all pretty aligned I was wondering if there are any films you know of that you guys have very different takes on Kevin see here's the thing when men spend enough time together in the same room um their menstrual cycles like link up and it trigger well, They're not technically called menstrual cycles for men, but we have something like that. Uh, And they link up and it affects, you know, how we intake pleasure together. Yeah. I mean, I like...
2: (laughs) To give a serious
1: answer uh, um, to this, I feel
4: like... We're friends and we have similar uh, (laughs)
2: tastes. Throughout the
1: podcast, like, I feel like my taste has changed a whole lot from things that you guys have shown me. And, like, while I guess, like, maybe it would be better discussion to listen to if we were disagreeing broadly yeah. with stuff. I just don't like to, I don't want to bring like a movie to the podcast that I really like that. I know you guys aren't going to like, <laughs> like one. Yeah. We like, did.
4: We did the Fellini episode. Like, that. I mean, the other film on that episode was Bullworth, which we all loved, but uh, there was the Fellini episode that I just like, wasn't into that movie, but I had to talk about it for 20 minutes, so I was negative yeah. for 20 minutes. And it's like, that's no fun to listen to.
0: True. Although, maybe maybe we should some more, divisive. <laughs> some more This isn't a bad movie
4: podcast. Welcome to the worst movies ever. Uh, Fellini, yeah. City of Women.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also, I mean, we pick good shit. We're not, you know, e- yeah. even outside of the podcast, we're not watching bullshit. And if we're watching bullshit, it's good bullshit, you know?
4: Damn.
2: <laughs> so that's, we're,
4: we're, <laughs> that's I. I have a feeling Malcolm's gonna hit draft day with like a three point five
3: and come at me next week.
0: Dude, I I'm, I give three stars to the number twenty three man. I'm on I'm on another level right now. I'm fucking levitating.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, I feel like I couldn't possibly like that movie, <laughs> dude. It rules, dude. It's
0: so fucking good. Literally, some you get some like it's. I I think uh, Ethan, former guest of the show, hit it with uh, Schumacher's Lost Highway. Okay, okay, so take what take that and run with it
4: damn that's crazy i don't know i feel like the only things that i would say off the top of my head that we disagree about is um let's see i like family guy more than they do You guys only ironically like Family Guy.
0: <laughs> I think me and JT like Witt Stillman, and you're not exactly a fan yeah, of Yeah, that, that was our
4: probably biggest disagreement was Whit Stillman, but I love the man. Hate the movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, love the guy. Good He's friend of the pod. Ride or die homie. Yeah. Uh, even if his movies are dog shit.
1: I feel like I'm generally more forgiving with like middle brow bullshit or like, um, I don't know, that type of uh, work than you guys are.
4: Mm, I mean, Malcolm, I'm looking through your letterbox right now. You have hardcore, too. Yeah. Paul Schrader film. Didn't like that one. I remember it kind of gave just... hardcore by Paul Schrader the same score as three billboards. <laughs> well if we're gonna play that game We can play it <laughs> all night. <laughs> uh,
2: this is the call out hour on extended clip. <laughs>
0: uh, I just remember it kind of just being stupid. Okay. That's that's I don't remember a lot I mean, of that I get movie. That. It's it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of stupid and like I, I enjoyed like the like if like George C. Scott in a Hawaiian shirt, like all that shit's great, but I just, I just remember it lacking something and just kind of, I don't know. I feel like I don't like, see, this is like a movie, like a three and a half star movie. It's like, I feel like I don't like Blue Collar as much as everyone else. For yeah. I don't know. It's oh, not, Blue Collar is a three and a half for you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's still respectable. I was going to say, it's, really good. it's not big enough of a difference. Oh,
4: come on, dude. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, two stars. That's uh, a great <laughs> film. That is a great film. I
0: I, leg- I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> I God. legit don't remember. Oh.
4: I don't. Remember it I You don't lived remember in the it. valley for like two years. How are you not going to love I'm that? Ba- and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, dude, you got to respect. There's some Granada Hills coverage in Fast Times.
0: Too. I'm more of an Encino man. Oh. Fan. I'm, I'm literally oh, Encino man rules. I'm
4: going to take you on the fucking driving tour of Fast Times and make you watch <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: um The I like the scene where you see the the tits. That's great.
4: Yeah, and he's jacking off. It's pretty funny.
0: Does he jack off? See, I don't remember that, that at that's all.
2: That's
4: the whole point of the scene. Is he's imagining the tits maybe for you. She doesn't actually take maybe for you that's
1: low points (laughs) yeah focusing on the jacking off seems pretty suspect is this what you wanted kevin
2: (laughs)
4: i'm furious at malcolm now uh our next one is from who is this from i have to from verbal what what is this uh it says your podcast station is live on verbal that's what's up. Uh, meet the world's largest streaming audio platform. Your podcast is live on Verbal and ready to be claimed.
0: Hey, check us out on Verbal. We're uh, <laughs> on Verbal.com slash extended clip. Come sub. It's a great what site, and we're, we're, happy, we're happy to work with these people. They're real nice, and they, they understand what we're doing here. So shout out Verbal.
4: You didn't think we'd call ourselves the world's largest streaming audio platform without your podcast on it, did you? (laughs) From podcasts, guided meditations, sound effects, old-time radio, audiobooks, and more, Verbal is your new home for everything audio. So go ahead, claim your station, and join our audio revolution. I think we should do a it. Revolution? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard on Twitter that that's really good. Yeah, Audio
0: Revolution.
4: <laughs> um, I should point out Verbal is spelled V-U-R-B-L. I'm the only one that's at it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's very vital information. <laughs> so yeah, check that out. Sorry about that. I very much undersold that to you guys. <laughs> that's why Verbal tripped me up so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, man. You send it, we read it. That's the mailbag segment.
2: <laughs>
0: spam. Spam's read with more vigor than, you know, the questions here. We love the spam. We really Keep... did
2: not need to go that long <laughs> episode. <Yeah. laughs> We're going so fucking long. Um
4: all right, that's it then, right? No, yeah. wait, no, Malcolm oh, yeah, has yeah, yeah, some yeah. amazing clicks for it. Wait, okay. That's the best part, so we'll save that for last. Okay. Okay. As always, you can reach out to us and uh, supply questions for this mail segment, this email segment getting close to just calling it mail it's not mail it's email this is electronic mail <laughs> it's that new shit god i fucking hate the real mail do you hate going to the fucking post office <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why we do emails only baby i got marin pilled day one <laughs> anyway <laughs> clip podcast at gmail.com um and uh at extended clip 69 on twitter anything else online you guys want to promote?
1: I'm at males soul on Instagram
2: (laughs) (laughs) and give me a follow.
0: I'm at, I'm at millionaire (laughs) underscore days with a Z on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, me and JT have been collabing on some posts too. It's been some good shit.
4: I am at Mr Bean Memes <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, I made a video essay about uh, Deja Vu and uh, Redacted. I'm, did I talk about it on the pod already?
1: I don't think you plugged it on the pod.
4: It's I don't know. It's good. I guess it is good. It is I good. Liked it. I liked it.
1: I'll I'll, put,
0: hey i'm a fan
4: <laughs> let's get the views up like rate, right, and subscribe <laughs> let's get those numbers up uh no but let's do that for the pod not for my stupid vitties um yeah you're know, like uh itunes we got like five or six good reviews on there maybe give us a bad one or a good one yeah i, I don't care yeah, up to you talk about us talk about us. <laughs> let's give them something to talk about <laughs> yeah
0: give them a reason to click <laughs> us you know what i mean <laughs> go out there team <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you can also get a bonus episode every single week on patreon right now we are in the midst of another legendary season of bank check our sub podcast about all for two dollar and above patrons only this season of bank check is on michael chimino Right now on the Patreon, you can find chapter one, our longest bank check yet, uh, with Josh Lewis on Michael Chimino's first two films, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot and The Deer Hunter. The next one is coming Tuesday. We're going to get chapter two of Bank Check, Just the Boys. Josh wanted in. I said, (laughs) (laughs) go fuck fuck yourself. (laughs) Really? Okay. No, 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 no. (laughs) I (laughs) know. so do it Uh, do it fuck yourself Uh, over at patreon.com slash extended clip where for $2 a month you will get an episode every week and for $6 a month you will also get a PDF every month our little e-zine our last one you know I I may have caused a little controversy uh, with my top 10 of the year list I I explained it okay I I, I put facts and logic into my reason here (laughs) And I wrote about that in my uh, portion of it, and JT drew some brilliant artwork as always. And Malcolm also broke down his controversial year-end selections. These
0: lists are so controversial, and kind of that's why they're not out on the public yet. I know? was
1: I was begging Eddie and Malcolm, please don't publish these. <laughs> the people are going to be so angry. So yeah,
4: <laughs> uh, but. Malcolm, what are we doing next week? Yeah, you know, I as
0: much as I enjoy all the smut, the soft softcore, the porn, it's it's good. I like it. But maybe we need to cleanse ourselves of that a little bit. Clean up our image, you know, and we're not just, you know, a bunch of three dirty men in a room, you know, jerking off to these you know, I don't I don't like that image. So, I don't <laughs> jerk off to the movies. <laughs> oh, okay. I still um, need them. Okay, let's All right. Um but the double feature we have, you know, little let's let God into our lives. So, but, you know, I don't think these are the most traditional religious movies. We're going to look at Book It Life by Hal Hartley. Um, it has something about, like, Jesus returning to Earth. I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with this movie, but I wanted to pair it with uh, Stars in My Crown by uh, Jacques Tourneur about, uh, about a small town pastor. And... uh I think, I think we'll have a fun episode with that pairing.
4: I've had stars in my crown on my hard drive for so fucking long. Uh, the Hartley one, what's it called? The Book of Life? Yeah. Okay. Oh, awesome. This looks great. Martin Donovan, star of Tenet, is the star. <laughs> I have never seen a fucking Hal Hartley movie, and uh, he seems like one of my biggest blind spots for American cinema.
0: Yeah, it's I'm, I've only seen a couple, but the, from what, just the kind of the brief overview I did with that movie, it seems... A little bit maybe more experimental, a little bit more different from his uh, standard fare. Oh,
4: dude, this this looks like a great double feature. Uh, Can't wait to see you next week. And if you're in D.C., stay safe. (laughs) 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 Fuck you.